Well, good afternoon, everybody. And uh, as some mentioned, my name is Roger. My wife is Jackie. We have two wonderful girls. And uh, it's great to be here, to be with you in Birmingham. Um, whenever I come here, I tend to learn a lot. I love the guinea pig story, by the way. I wish you could come and talk to my daughters. Okay. You, you have actually taught me great strategy as to how to deal with the guinea pigs in my household. But uh, it's a great story. And also listening to Tinik's um, um, testimony. It's just amazing how you see children growing in the church and you don't know their story. And when they share, you realize the battle is intense. The battle for the souls of our children is quite intense. And we shouldn't take it for granted. Um, How narrowly she could have gone the other way. And praise God, by the grace of God, she stands. And as parents, I think it's important for us to realize this battle is huge. I was reaching out. And... um, I was reaching out to this person, and she was standing with a girl, a Muslim girl, in the full bukkah, covered. But this girl was looking at me quite intensely, and I just couldn't understand. And after the conversation, the girl walked up to me and said, Roger Frimko. And I thought, that's very interesting. And um, she was a child raised in the church. She was a child like Tinik raised in the church. She was in Kiss Kingdom. I remember the parents. The mom was a good song leader. And um, I asked her, I said, look, just tell me. I'm not, you've made your decisions. People will make their decisions, by the way. But just tell me one reason why. And um, her reason was she saw hypocrisy in her household. We talked at length about it, rather things. But the fact is, Satan is going after our children. Satan is going after every soul. And so when I hear testimonies, you think, wow, parents, we need to reflect God in our household. We cannot come to church and be nice and go home and be hypocrites. Okay. So, thanks for that testimony. Thanks for that testimony. Thank you for the leadership for inviting me to speak here today. Thank you to Forrest and Mandy and the local leadership. And thanks for allowing Kenny to come and preach last week about the other guy. Okay. You probably had the same message. Spoke about the other guy. And uh, Birmingham and Leicester, whenever I come, I feel like Birmingham is our mother church, okay? We have special relationship. Like America and Britain have special relationships. <laughs> we are holding hands, spiritually speaking. Okay. So, um, greetings from Leicester. Next one, please. There's a little congregation in Leicester there. Okay, you probably know most of them. 2016, five people got baptized, one restoration. The Lord added to their six to our number. In 2017, we are praying that the Lord will add at least 10 to our number. It's not our doing. God will do it. But we want men and women to be saved. Our theme, we are focusing on Jesus. 
We start the Gospel of Luke in the month of February. I know you started already. In the month of January, we decided we need to go to God in prayer. We made it a month of prayer, walking humbly with our God. We had a day of fasting on the 1st of January to the 2nd of January. In the middle of the month, we had a 24-hour prayer chain. And the men had an all-night prayer. And the sisters also had their away day. But we wanted to go before God. My sin is I'm a doer. And I don't wait for God. I get up and do. And I told God, this year, I want to wait on you before I do. And perhaps you see a bit in the sermon I'm doing today, the scripture you gave me actually fits in that. Because Jesus did exactly that. So, that is us in January. Of course, end of January is here. We've prayed, we've waited on the Lord, and hopefully we've drawn closer to God. And I always say I don't want things to be legalistic. This is a relationship with God. When you love, you are not legalistic. And so, that's where we are. And, um, of course, next week, you are all invited to the Ain't It Funky. Okay? We want to have fun as well as sharing the gospel. So come and dance, okay? I've requested Bob Marley in there. Okay. I've requested Bob Marley. No matter how ain't it funky, whatever 60s, Bob Marley was around. And uh, those were my days. Okay. As a teenager, I had a dreadlock wig. I couldn't dare do it naturally because my grandmother would kill me. But in boarding school, I could wear my stuff and sing dread, lati dread, a dreadlock congo bongo why, and you need to swing, you know. So come, let's have fun. Praise God, God met me and saved me anyway. I was going the wrong way. My grandmother, I said this every morning when I'm back from boarding school, 5 a.m. I don't know why she chose 5 a.m. She would come to my room and pray. She would come and pray for me. So even if I'm at the disco, I need to climb the wall and come back to my bed. <laughs> but when she finished praying, I can run out again. And that's what my grandmother did. Hey Amen. Here I am today. She died before I became a disciple. But she did so a seed. We need to pray for our children. The message of my title today, Introduction of the Son of God. And my text will be from Luke 3, 21 to 38. Let's pray. God in heaven, thank you so much that uh, you have redeemed us. We are unworthy. You are our Father. You are compassionate, you are loving, you are gracious. That is why we stand. Thank you for the text today as we look at Luke chapter 3, verse 21 to 38. Give us the strength we need, the wisdom. Let your spirit guide us so that we may know the message you have for us today. We pray for our world. You want all men to be saved, therefore you said we should pray for kings and all those in authority. That there will be wisdom in leadership, there will be love, so that people may be saved. We thank you, be with us, 
In the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Luke 3, 21 to 38. And by the way, it's great to see a lot of children that I carried, now students, but I won't mention names. I won't, I won't embarrass any of them. But it, it pleases my heart. Great joy to see them as strong disciples of Jesus Christ. Okay. Let's read. When all the people were being baptized, Jesus was baptized too. And as he was praying, heaven was opened. And the Holy Spirit descended on him in bodily form like a dove. And a voice came from heaven. You are my son, whom I love. With you, I am well pleased. Now, Jesus himself was about 30 years old when he began his ministry. He was a son, so it was thought of Joseph, the son of Heli. And after he read all the other names, please come to me with verse 38. The son of Enosh, the son of Seth, the son of Adam, and the son of God. Amen. Okay. Who can tell me how many names are on there? Okay, about 77 or something. But that is the introduction of the Son of God. I don't know how you get to introduce people in your culture. I walked in here today with a friend called James, okay? And we got to the station, and I met Forrest and James Azilo. And I said, this is James, and this is who I'm James, and it's Forrest. And that's the introduction done. You understand what I'm saying? Now, if you came to my culture in Ghana, and we met and they are introducing, they will give the full extent of your name, just as Chinik did. <laughs> she gave her full name. They will go to your family background. They will go to your educational background. They will talk about your past and current profession. The family you married into. The number of children you've got. And if your children are grown and have children, the introduction continues. It goes in that loop. You see what I'm saying? And now, if it's from a royal family, it becomes even more intense. Okay? There will be incantations of family history and the royal lineage and the battles that was fought and won and the lands that were conquered. You spend hours introducing people. But... Um, let me introduce you to an emperor, Anim. Next slide, please. This is how Galerius wrote an edict of greetings to his subjects. Okay? This is how he introduced himself. Okay? So imagine Galerius and I walked into this room. And I said, oh, by the way, this is Emperor Caesar Galerius Valerius Maximinus. Invictus, Augustus, Pontifex Maximus, conqueror of the Germans, conqueror of the Egyptians, conqueror of the Thebans, five times conqueror of the Sarmatians, conqueror of the Persians, twice conqueror of the Carpathians, six times conqueror of the Armenians, conqueror of the Medes, conqueror of the Adiabene, tribune of the people the 20th time, emperor the 19th time, consul the 8th time, Father of his country, proconsort, greetings, meet my friend. Okay. That is a bit of an introduction. 
you require eloquence and learnedness and some sort of erudition to be able to even introduce this guy. But that's how they introduce people. So how do we introduce the Son of God? Now, John has set the expectation high a bit, hasn't he? Okay. In my next slide, the people said to John, they were wondering who John was. And in verse 15, chapter 3, verse 15, said the people were waiting expectantly and were all wondering in their hearts if John might possibly be the Messiah. John answered them all, one who is more powerful than I will come. The straps of whose sandals I'm not worthy to untie. He said this standard high. Man, I'm not the Messiah. In spite of all I'm doing. Okay, so who are you then? Who are you, John? Who are you, Santa Claus? Who are you, John? He said, I'm the voice of one calling in the wilderness. Prepare the way for the Lord. Make straight in the desert a highway for our God. I'm the other guy. And the heart of the prophecy was actually a metaphor drawn from the ancient custom that when an emperor or somebody important was about to visit a city, the citizens of the city would be required to prepare a well-constructed approach, a road for the person to come in due pomp and dignity. So the village will have to prepare the road. So in this prophecy, Isaiah is predicting or prophesying that one day Israel will be called upon to prepare an approach, a road for such a visitor. As to who the visitor is, Isaiah leaves his hearers in no doubt because he said, prepare the way for the Lord. It will be the Lord. A highway for our God. It will be our God. Say to the cities of Judah, Behold, your God, the sovereign Lord, Adonai Yahweh, He is coming. He is coming. So Luke is saying, John was the voice that was destined to call upon the people to prepare that road. John came to call the people to prepare that road. And he follows that the visitor whom John is announcing is no different from the visitor Isaiah was talking about. And so that visitor will be the Lord God. He will be the one coming to his people, incarnate in the person of Christ. His glory will be revealed. All people will see him. He's the one who grants forgiveness, as John has spoken about. He's the one who baptizes in the Holy Spirit. He was the one who will make judgment. He will be the executor of the wrath. And how do we prepare this road? Repentance. Repentance. So John, through the prophecy Isaiah, set the stage for who is coming. To the next one. So, when all the people were being baptized, Jesus was baptized too. And as he was praying, heaven was open. Luke here wasn't interested in who did the baptism or even the process of baptism. You realize that. He tells us people came and got baptized and Jesus was also baptized. Not who baptized him or even the process. His main concern 
said all the people were baptized and Jesus had been baptized and was praying. At that point, Jesus could have been simply one more person among thousands of people. The sequence tells us though that the only ongoing event at the time heaven opened was Jesus praying. Isn't that interesting? It could have been anybody, but Jesus was praying. And that's the point I wanted to make when I said we need to wait and pray before we do things. Next slide. This was Jesus' pattern of life. We, begins, we see it here. When all the people were being baptized, Jesus was baptized and he was praying. Amen? The focus on prayer is an emphasis in Luke anyway. And many key events in Jesus' life are noted as happening after he prayed. At daybreak, Jesus went out to solitary place. That's what Luke says. But we know in the Mark account, he reads very early in the morning, while it was told that Jesus got up, left the house, and went off to solitary place and prayed. Jesus will start his day praying. I get up from my bed, and I'm doing things. Wow. Jesus will start his day praying. Amen. Amen. But Jesus often withdrew to lonely places and prayed. Now the Jews knew how to pray. But they had set times of praying. Three times a day. Remember if you read Daniel. Why was Daniel put in the, in the lions then? They said he's praying three times a day. That was his accusation. Jesus didn't need set times to pray. Amen. Very often you go and pray. One of those days, he went out to the mountainside and prayed and spent the whole night praying. And then he came and called his 12 apostles. Amen. Important decision making, he prayed. Once when Jesus was praying in private and his disciples were with him, he asked them, who do the cross say I am? He was praying, he asked a question and Peter makes the greatest confession. About eight days after Jesus said that, he took Peter, James, and John and James with him, went up to a mountainside to pray. That's the time of the transfiguration. And so the disciples have been observing him and said, Jesus, teach us to pray. Prayer doesn't come to us naturally, does it? Who was born a prayer warrior? We'd learn to pray from Je- as Jesus did. And we see the same in Gethsemane. As he faces the cross, Jesus prayed. Amen? We need to pray. We need to pray. We need to be men and women who are humble enough to go to God in prayer. God can change anything, by the way. Disciples, do not worry. Do not worry. God will change things when we pray. He steps into our world. He rules the nations. You are worried about politicians. Do not worry. Okay, let's be faithful to God. Let's pray for those politicians. 
Let's pray for them. Next one, please. So as we read, Jesus was praying, and what happens? The sublime, the awe-inspiring, the transcendent, the magnificent happening. The Bible says heaven was open. And the Holy Spirit descended on him in bodily form like a dove. And a voice came from heaven. You are my son whom I love. With you I am well pleased. In you I have found delight. We are told of three facts. The heaven opens. Okay. If you go to the Old Testament, when heaven opens, something is happening. God action is taking place. It could be a vision, it could be a breakout of a revelation, but Genesis 7, Isaiah, Ezekiel, Malachi, the prophets, even Stephen, when he was being killed, what did he see? The heavens opened, and he saw God, Jesus at the right hand. When heavens open, God is stepping out of heaven to address his people. God is entering into our everyday world. And God takes the initiative to show humanity the way to him. Heavens opened. And two things come out of the open heavens. Both directed at Jesus. The Holy Spirit came down. Okay. In the form of a dove. People say, why a dove? There are so many speculations. Some say, oh, the dove represents when Noah's waters and the dove went and couldn't find any place and came in. But with Jesus being so pure, the dove landed. I mean, these are speculations. Luke doesn't tell us that. Luke does. Actually, he said it's like a dove. He didn't say it was a dove. If you read the scriptures. It came in a bodily form, like a dove. But the point is, it was visible. That's the point. The main thing is the Holy Spirit came down in bodily form. That is visibly. It wasn't something Jesus saw for himself and said it later. People saw it. John Gospel, John said, I saw it. Okay? Luke is insisting that the procession of the Holy Spirit from the Father to the Son was, on this occasion, visible. The Spirit descended on Jesus with the grace of a dove. But God's Spirit came down. What else happened? There was a voice. The Father's presence was made audible. Everybody heard it. There was a voice. You are my son, whom I love. With you I am well pleased. I have found delight in you. It was addressed. You are. It wasn't addressed to everybody. It said, you are my son. It was addressed to Jesus. It was addressed to Jesus. The voice saying consists of three parts. It was a reference to the son, you are my son, beloved, and I'm pleased with you. That's what the voice said. And again, if we look at that, the Old Testament allusions, the Old Testament allusions to this, Psalm 2 points, verse 7, Isaiah 41, Isaiah 42. Psalm 2, if you read it, it was about kingship, the regal, the royalty. 
He said, you are my son. You are the king. Isaiah 41, I have chosen you. Chosen intimate relationship that Jesus had with the Father. A point of connection with the nation. I have chosen you. You are a friend. You are beloved. You are Israel, my servant. Isaiah 42, I uphold in whom I delight. My spirit will rest on you. So that is the voice that comes to the people. Of course, the Jewish people with Old Testament allusions will understand what was going on. But that's how God introduces his son. Amen? So, just as a political party will choose its leader and endorse them, God here says, this is my chosen one. Christ is my chosen one. He's anointed, wisdom, power, enabled, endorsed, confirmed. He's my chosen one. The emphasis here is that heaven has spoken. God has revealed his choice. And for a while, a little while, you see the three persons fellowshipping. Jesus, the Holy Spirit, the voice of the Father. Isn't that beautiful? Jesus was unique, Son of God, in fellowship with the Spirit, with the Father. Here is a revelation from an open heaven and a demonstration of the relationship between Father, Holy Spirit, and Jesus. Jesus was unique, the Son of God. But God goes to this extent to introduce his Son to us because what is coming, as you read from Luke, is intense. It will change our lives. There is, of course, another sense in which Jesus was the Son of God through the genealogy which we read. Okay, it goes from Jesus, Joseph, all the way to Adam, but in a human form. Okay, in a human sense, to all men, son of Adam, son of God. That is that he was son of God in the sense that Adam was the son of God. Jesus was truly human, God and man, not one without the other, but both, truly man but not merely a man. Do you understand? We see him in a human descendancy. So Paul will say, as he writes in Roman, I, Paul, a servant of Christ, called to be an apostle and set apart for the gospel of God. The gospel he promised beforehand through his prophet in the Holy Spirit regarding his son who as to his earthly life was a descendant of David and who through the spirit of holiness was appointed the son of God in power. Amen? In spirit, in flesh. But that is Jesus. That's how God introduces his son to us. So, this week, ask yourself, how are you going to introduce Jesus to somebody? Think about it. Of course, you cannot be open heaven. You cannot send the Holy Spirit down. You cannot have the voice of God. But how would you introduce Jesus? Because we need to 
He's been introduced to us, hasn't he? And as Christians, we need to introduce him. Would you be humble in prayer as Jesus was? That is our quest. That is our quest. As Christians. God goes to the extent to make his son known to us. Which he did excellently. Jesus was baptized like all everybody else. He was praying, God opens the heaven and says, this is my son. I endorse him. I enable him. He's the servant Messiah. He's coming into the world. And of course, as Christians, his followers, we also need to know how to introduce our Lord, don't we? When, you share, when I share my faith, I remember going to the University of Leicester, actually, and I said to all I asked people was, um, have you heard of Jesus? What do you make of him? The discussion was quite interesting. And I went from men, I was mangelizing. I was only talking to guys. Normally, they, don't, they won't stop. But each one of them stopped. And it was fascinating that I didn't say come to church. I said, have you heard of Jesus? What do you make of him? About ten guys gave me their numbers. They wanted to know more about Jesus. And we need to lift Jesus up. We need to know him ourselves, by the way. And we need to lift him up. Because salvation will come through him. Salvation is through Jesus. But even as we lift him up, let's pray that we shall walk in his steps. Let's begin by praying like Jesus. And if you don't know, go to Jesus and say, teach me to pray. Teach me to pray. So brothers and sisters, this is the introduction of the Son of God. Thank you very much. Amen.